Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir in Chaim Aharan. We had a break because of the Yantuf of Pesach, Baruch Hashem, of Shin Pei Gimel. <coughs> and now we're on the Sunday after the holiday of Pesach. We're, we'll pick up from where we left off. We're in the section of Chaim Aran called Sipurim Chadoshim, New Stories. And this is generally visions, dreams, very high-level things that Rabbein Azal saw and spoke about. <clears throat> the previous piece that we did in the previous year, we said was based on chapter 20, was related to chapter 20 in Likud Yamran, an incredible vision that Rabbein Azal had. <clears throat> We're up to paragraph 84 in Chaim Aran. Exactly, paragraph 84 in the according to the order of the book Tzadik. <clears throat> and here, Rav Nassenthal writes that this is something that Rabbein Azal told over shortly before Rosh Hashanah, two years before Rabbein Azal passed away, at the end of the summer. At that time, the shoichet of this, a shoichet from the city of Teplik, which is where some of Rabbeinazal's students came from, had brought Rabbeinazal a gift, an incredible chair. And this is the chair that we have today in Eretz Yisrael. We have it today in the main shul in Yerushalayim and Meisharim. And <clears throat> Rabbeinazal asked him, how long did you work to make this, to carve out this? People that have seen this chair or seen pictures of it, know that it's something incredibly, incredibly beautiful, the, the detailed work on the chair. And Rabbeinazal asked him, how long did you work on this? And he told him, I worked on it for an hour a day for six months. And Rabbeinazal said, you mean to say you had me in mind? You had me on your mind an hour a day for six months? Rabbeinazal was marveled about this. And now Rabbeinazal told this vision that he saw, a vision or a dream, where he said that they brought him a chair and there was fire surrounding this chair. And all the people, men, women, children, went to look at this chair. And when they returned, immediately, there were connections made between these men and women and children, and they formed shiduchim. There were matches made between them. And in addition, the leaders of the generation, all the leaders of the generation went to see this chair. And they asked me, <clears throat> how far is it? And why is it that immediately when people come back from seeing the chair, there are shiduchim formed. And Rabbein Azal said, I went, and I went around also to go, to go there. And I heard <clears throat> that Rosh Hashanah is coming. And I, I wasn't sure whether I want to go back or I want to stay there for Rosh Hashanah. And this was something that was, I was very perplexed about this. I couldn't come to a decision. However, I said to myself, how can I stay here for Rosh Hashanah? And then I said to myself, but based on how weak 
my, my body is feeling, why should I go back? So I stayed there. And I went, I approached the chair and I saw Rosh Hashanah there, actual Rosh Hashanah, and also Yom Kippur, actual Yom Kippur, and also Sukkot, actual Sukkot. And also I heard them screaming. I heard an announcement, <clears throat> the Pusuk that appears in the Navi Yeshaya, Chodshechem o Moyadechem Sonanafshi. Your, your Rosh Chodesh's and your holidays, I hate. This is a pasuk that, where Hashem said these words, expressing his disapproval about something related as to how Rosh Chodesh and holidays were being observed. And the announcement continued, what right do you have to judge the world? Rosh Hashanah itself will judge. And everyone ran away including all those leaders of the generation that were there. All of them ran away. And Rabbi Nassau continued, I saw over there that carved out on the chair were the pictures of all the different creations in the world. And each one was carved out there together with its mate. And that's why these shiduchim were being formed immediately afterwards, because everyone that went there saw their mate. And Rabbi Nassau continued, and because I had learned Torah previously, the thought came to my mind, I remembered a pasuk in the Navi Doniel, where it speaks about the heavenly throne, and it refers to it as Karsaya Shvivin Dinur, a chair surrounded with a, a bright fire. And Rabbi Nassau said, I realized that the first letters of these four words, Karsaya Shvivin Dinur, spell the word Shatchan. Shatchan means one who makes matches, because it's through this chair that matches were made. In addition, I realized also that the word karsaya, which means chair or throne, makes up the first letters of these three holidays, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. And Rabbi Nezal said, I realized also, as the Zohar Kodesh says, that after Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Sukkot, we have the holiday of Shmini Atzeres Simchas Torah, and that's when there is the final union, the zivug, between Hashem and his queen. And this is elaborated on in the Zohar Kodesh and the Arizal. There's a lot written about this. Rav Nosenzal speaks about this in several places in Likut HaLochis, about this process that's taking place that starts off with Rosh Hashanah and continues through the Aseris Yemei Tshuva and Yom Kippur, and leads into Sukkot, which is called Zman Simchasenu, a time of rejoicing, celebration. But the pinnacle, the, the, the final accomplishment is on Shmini Atzeres and, and Simchas Torah, which the Zohar Kodesh says, that's when the, the Nukva is Oitzeres the Tipa. That's when the droplet is taken in completely by the female. That's when this union is completed. Rabbi Nezal continued, and I asked, 
what will be my parnasa? What will be my livelihood? And they said to me that I'll be a shatran. And fire surrounded the whole area there. Then Rabbeinazal went on to say, as, as we see elaborated on in chapter one, in the second half of Likut Imran, that's the chapter in Likut Imran that Rabbeinazal gave that Rosh Hashanah after he revealed this whole vision. Rosh Hashanah afterwards, he gave this awesome shir, chapter one in the second half of Likut Imran, which is a major, major production, which includes some of these points, as we'll discuss. So Rabbeinazal says there that Rosh Hashanah is an incredible gift and a benefit to us. The fact that Hashem made it, that Rosh Hashanah is the only holiday that comes out on Rosh Chodesh, at the time when the moon is hidden. We say, that it's a Chag, a holiday, which is Bakesa, when it's covered up. What's covered up? The moon is covered up. The moon is what usually defines all of our holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot. And it's regarding this that the Gemara says, that Hashem says to the moon that because originally when Hashem first created the world, the sun and the moon were created equal in size. Then the Gemara goes on to say there was a whole major discussion between Hashem and the moon where the moon came and complained to Hashem, can't have two rulers sharing one crown. Can't have the sun and the moon should be equal. Hashem said, really? Okay, then you become smaller. You will be lowered. And then the moon said, why? Just because I asked a good question? What? And Hashem said, you're right. We'll give you the stars to compensate for the fact that your light has been diminished. The moon said, but still. And there's a whole discussion in the Gemara there. And the final, final statement in the Gemara is that Hashem says to the moon, you're right, and therefore the Jews will bring a special carbon on my behalf, on Hashem's behalf, as an apology to the moon on your birthday. Your birthday is Rosh Chodesh. That every Rosh Chodesh, the Pesach says, Useir izim echod lechatos Lashem, that there was a set of goats brought as an atonement for Hashem. So Rabbi Nassau explains over there in Likut Imran, the fact that Rosh Hashanah comes out on Rosh Chodesh is a tremendous gift to us because Hashem is apologizing on Rosh Chodesh. Usually when two people are in conflict, somebody, someone does something terrible to the other person, the one that did the terrible thing, sometimes it's very difficult for them to apologize. It's embarrassing, it's hard, but if the other one wants to make it easier, the other one offers an apology. The one who didn't do anything as terrible at all says, you know, I thought about what happened and I realized maybe I shouldn't have said what I said I shouldn't have done. And maybe that's what provoked you to, to say what you said, what you did. And this way it makes it so much easier for the other person. Wow, if he's apologizing, if she's apologizing, then I who did something much, much worse, for sure I can apologize. So on Rosh which is a day when Hashem, who is the epitome of perfection, and Hashem makes it appear as if he's apologizing, then for sure that makes it easier for us to, to submit our apology to Hashem on Rosh Hashanah and Aser Simei Tshuva and Yom Kippur.
Rav Nosson Saliyad's here, <clears throat> that this chapter on the Kutim Ram that we just quoted was said on the Rosh Hashanah after the story was told, but Rav Nosson Saliyad's, V'hadvorim stumim v'ne'elamim o'id. But still, the interpretation of this story is very hidden and, and, and sealed. And in addition, gam unfortunately, there are things missing, because it wasn't written down completely. And he writes, Rav Nassar writes, that Rav was once speaking about some of these stories and visions that he said, and he mentioned the connection between this story and the chapter on Likud Yamran. And he said, Rabbi Nezal said, this is so awesome, so incredible, that, that Mamash, you, you can't, anyone who has any, any level of understanding would realize how incredible, awesome, and deep this story and the connection to the chapter on Likud Yamran is. And then Rabbi Nezal said, if you people aren't happy, then I don't know what's with you, meaning that we should be so in, in, in elated that we're zeichet to taste such incredible, awesome light. And after Rabbi Nezal told this story, he said that you can, you can say Torah on this story, you can give explanations and interpretations on this story for the rest of your lives. And Rabbi Nezal got angry at us over the fact that we, we didn't seem happy. And he said that we should really be very, very happy. This is the end of the story as it appears in Chaim Aran. We know that one of Rav Nassim greatest students in terms of Talmud Chacham, the level of depth of knowledge, was Rav Nachman Chirin, who authored quite a number of Sforim, one of the Sfarim is called Parparois Lachachma, which is a commentary on Likud Imran. And in this case, as in several other cases, he says that this is really very, very deep. And he says that I, I decided to write down some small notes based on my understanding, things that seem relatively easy to, to, to be able to to draw from this story. The, the chair that Rabbi Nezal saw in the vision is the heavenly throne. As it says over there in Daniel chapter 7, I saw a throne, the Atik Yoimin Yosef. The term Atik Yoimin is a term used to refer to the highest, highest levels of Hashem, Kaviyochel. And Atik Yomim was sitting on this throne. And Rashi says over there in Daniel that this is referring to a chair that was prepared for judgment, for Hashem to judge on. And Karsaya Shvivan Dinur Galaloihi Nur Dolik, that there was fire surrounding this. And there were books that were open, that were being read, books, books that were being read from that were accounting, an accounting of things that had taken place. And this is what Rabbi Nezal said, that he went there, he went around together with these other manhigim, these other leaders, and he heard that they were announcing that Rosh Hashanah is coming, because Rosh Hashanah is the day 
when the Pasuk says, that Hashem prepares his throne of judgment. And that's why when he came there, he said he saw actual Rosh Hashanah, actual Yom Kippur, actual Sukkot, because these are the days when we're told that Hashem sits on his throne of judgment until Hoshana Rabbah, including until and including Hoshana Rabbah. And I heard them screaming, your Rosh Chodeshes and your holidays I hate. What right did, who, who needs you to judge the world? Rosh Hashanah itself will judge the world. Because we know that Rosh Hashanah comes out on Rosh Chodesh, which is this combination of Rosh Chodesh and holiday together. And Rabbi Nassau, in that chapter, in Likutim Ran writes that when a person sits and talks about another Jew and, and judges another Jew, it means that that person is declaring Rosh Hashanah. That person is acting as if he's in charge of Rosh Hashanah. He's the judge. And Rabbi Nassau says there, which person is qualified to judge? Nobody, nobody has the right to judge another Jew. Because the, the, the Pesach says, Ki hamishpat judgment belongs to Hashem. Because only Hashem, who is referred to as Hashem is the place of the entire world. Hashem is not inside the world. The world is inside of Hashem. And we know that the Gemara says, You can't judge another person until and unless you can put yourself in that person's place. And no one has the ability to put themselves in somebody else's place. Only Hashem, who is called Hashem is the of the entire world. Hashem is qualified to judge. And Rabbi Nezal says there, and look how Hashem judges. Look at Hashem's incredible kindness in the fact that he established the day of judgment on Rosh Chodesh. That we are being judged on Rosh Chodesh, which is the one day that Hashem himself is submitting an apology. And this is why they were screaming that, that your Rosh Chodesh's and your holidays, meaning when you want to judge, you want to judge other people, Hashem said, I hate that. I don't approve of that. What right do you have to judge anybody since you are not Mekoy Meshaloylam? And therefore you cannot necessarily fulfill the and you cannot necessarily judge a person really like Hashem does. And then it says they all ran away. They all ran away together with the leaders. So Rav Nachman Shirin points out, because even the leaders in that chapter on Likut Imran, in the beginning, Rabbi Nazar speaks about different leaders, that there are leaders who are called Nefursamim Shel Sheker, that they are not, they are really not qualified to be leaders. They're false leaders. They pretend to be qualified, to be knowledgeable, to be close to Hashem, to be very religious, when they aren't really. And Rabbi Nezal speaks about this over there in the beginning of that chapter in the Kutimran, but that their leadership is only through Azus, through Chutzpah. And they are not, they are not referred to as Shoresh Neshamas Yisrael. They are not the, the roots of the Jewish souls. But, but he points out, but even the true Manhigim, 
even the true manhigam of the generation, who are in this category of shoyrish neshamos Yisrael. They are like the trunk of the tree, and all neshamos are like branches and leaves that come from them. Even them, not every one of them is zeichet to all the tikkunim that Rabbein Ezra speaks about in that chapter in Likud Imran, to the point where they should be qualified to hold on to the throne of Hashem, like Moshe Rabbeinu did. The Gemara tells us that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to heaven to receive the Torah, the angels started shooting fire at him. And they, they were challenging him. What right do you, a human being, have to come up here and to take the Torah from us? And, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, what should I do? Hashem said to him, answer them. Hachzer lahem tshuva. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm afraid that they'll destroy me with their fire. Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, grab onto my throne and they won't be able to harm you at all. And in the beginning of that chapter, Rabbeinu Zal gives an incredible explanation how the Kisei HaKovoid is where all the Jewish souls come from. And the great, great Sadiq, he is the one who's holding on to that throne. He's the one who achieves a level where he is part of a Bezdin that judges Hashem together with the greatest of its tzaddikim, sit in judgment. As we find that Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, that you have found favor in my eyes, and you, I'm going to enlighten you about my name. I'm going to reveal to you my, my name. That's why it says there that all the leaders ran away from there. And Rabbeinu Zal continued that he saw on that throne was carved out the images of all the different creations, each one with its mate. And because of this, Shiduchim were formed there. So Rabbi Nachman Shirin explains, this throne refers to the Kisya Kovlid, where the Gemara says that all Jewish souls originate from there. And the Neshamois are there together with their mates. As Rabbein Azal speaks about this in chapter 265 in Likud Imran. We know I once saw in the Noyam Ali Melech, he asks a question. He says, why is it that you have people who are next door neighbors for 25 years? Jews, religious Jews, they see each other, say, hello, goodbye, nothing more. No kesher, no real connection. And sometimes even relatives, blood relatives, Cousins, this, that, and this, there's no real connection between them. And then you have two people who meet each other, who are not related, don't live next to each other. They meet each other. They start talking for an hour, a half hour. And it's, it's as if this is my long lost friend. It's as if I knew this person for 25 years. There's an immediate trust and good feeling between them. What is that all about? And he says, it's very simple. Those neshamos that are close to each other by the Kisei HaKovoid in the throne of Hashem where they originate from, when they come down to this world, if one is in Australia and the other one is in America, in America they can be so far apart. The moment they meet, it's my long lost friend. There's an immediate kesher and an immediate trust and an immediate relationship. Whereas those neshamos that are not close to each other in the Kisei HaKovoid, they can be neighbors, they can be relatives even, and there's no real Kesha between them. So here Rabbi Nezal said that by this chair was, was the images of all the Neshamais and their Zivugim and their mates.
And the fact that it was the, the announcement was Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we know, again, based on the Sifrei Kabbalah, that Rosh Hashanah and Kippur are followed by Sukkot and Shmini Atzeres, and Shmini Atzeres is called Zivuga de Matronisa, the Zivug of the Queen with the King, with Hashem. So that's why when they came back from the chair, from visiting the chair after those holidays, they were Shiduchim that were formed immediately. And then Rabbi Nezal said, I asked, what's going to be my Parnassah? What's going to be my livelihood? And I was told that I'll be a Shatchan. <clears throat> because again, Shatchan refers to the one who's holding on to that throne, Ma'aches Pneakisei, where Rabbi Nassau explains over there in Likut Imran that the way that a person gets to that level is when their tefillah is on the highest level, when their tefillah is Dvar Hashem, when Hashem literally puts the words into their mouth for them to be able to speak to Hashem. And Rabbi Nassau explains over there in that the Dvar Hashem is the origin of everything. Everything the Pesach says, Bidvar Hashem Shamayim Nasu Piv Kol that heaven and earth and everything were all created through the Dvar Hashem. And the Tzaddik, who is to the highest, highest level tefillah, Rabbi Nassau says over there, he's called the Malve HaGodol, the great lender where everything in creation receives from him, everything in creation receives from him, they borrow from him, and therefore they have to return to him. They have to give back their koichas, their powers, their chiyas, they have to give back to the tzaddik, to this tzaddik. So a person who's on that level, that person definitely has parnasa bereva, b'shefa, the parnasa chases him. As Rabbi Nizal says over there in Likut Imran, that, that a person, he quotes the Pesach, you will serve Hashem. And Avoida refers to Tefillah, and Hashem will bless your bread and water, meaning you'll have everything you need, like the Jews in the desert. They had man and they had the Be'er, that was everything that they needed. Rabbi Nachman Shirin adds, he says, sort of jokingly, we could say that the person who is the Shatchan, he's qualified to make Rosh Hashanah. And we know the Gemara says that on Rosh Hashanah is when Hashem announces what the Parnassah will be for the rest of the year, for the whole year. And now he goes on to say that the fire that was surrounding the, the throne we know that this term fire, in that chapter, Nikutimran, Rabbi Nezal speaks about Yerushalayim as being the seat of the throne of Hashem. Hashem's throne of judgment is in Yerushalayim. I once heard from my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld, that we know Hashem's name of judgment is Elohim. We, in, in the beginning of Parshas Mishpatim, where it speaks about judges and a court, it's called Elohim. Elohim is the word for a judge. The word Yerushalayim is Hashem's name, Elohim, in three different forms. The Yud, Lamed, Vav, Mem, those four letters are Bigematria 86, which is Elohim, the, the Gematria, the basic Gematria of Elohim. The Resh is Hashem's name, Elohim, Ba'achorayim, where you write it Aleph, then 
Aleph Lamed, then Aleph Lamed Hey, then Aleph Lamed Hey Yud, then Aleph Lamed Hey Yud Mem. If you'll add that up, it comes to 200. That's the Resh of Yerushalayim, and the Shin of Yerushalayim is the name Elohim B'milui. When you write out each letter the way you pronounce it, Aleph, Aleph Lamed Pei, Lamed, Lamed Mem Dalet, Hey, 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 Yud, Yud Vav Dalet, Mem, Mem, Mem. When you write it out that way, it's Begimatria 300. So the city of Yerushalayim is the judgment hall, the throne of Hashem, Kaviyochel. And in that chapter, in the Run, Rabbeinu Zal speaks about Binyan Yerushalayim, building up Yerushalayim, building up the Yira in one's heart. Dabru Alev Yerushalayim. And it says about the, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the destruction of Yerushalayim, it says that Hashem destroyed Yerushalayim with fire, and Hashem will restore the city of Yerushalayim with fire. In addition, the Pasuk says, Hashem says, I'll be a wall of fire surrounding Yerushalayim. And again, there's another Pasuk, that in the future, Yerushalayim will be called the throne of Hashem. We know in that chapter in Likut Imran, Rabbi Nezal speaks about Yira, Yira, Shleimus Hayira, which is dependent on the heart. And we know that when the Torah speaks about Yira, it says, Ki that when the Jews stood at Har Sinai and the mountain was on fire, you were afraid of the fire. So we know that Eish represents Yira Dikdusha. We know that when Hashem first revealed himself to Moshe Rabbeinu, it says he revealed himself to him at the burning thorn bush. And we know that when we talk about tefillah, proper tefillah, a person davening properly, we're talking about a person davening with fire. There's a person with hislahavus, where the heart is, is warm. As Dovin Amel says in Tehillim, Cham libi bekirbi, my heart is hot inside of me when I think, when I think about Hashem, and when I think about the words of Tefillah, a fire burns, and I express it with my tongue. The words coming out are the words coming out with this fire. I think for now this will suffice. There's more. Rav Nachman Shirin goes into more detail matching up many of the details in the chapter on Likut Imran with the story showing how it connects about Rabbeinu Salvir speaks about the three major taivas, taivas noshim, taivas niuf, taivas momoin, taivas achila, and Rav Nachman Shalim shows how all three of those are related to fire. We know the, the, the wrong type of desire, chas v'shom of taiva, is referred to as a passion, a fire, a heat. And when it comes to money, when Hashem wanted to show Moshe Rabbeinu the mitzvah of the machzis hashekel, it says Hashem showed him a madbeah shel eish, a coin of fire. And Rav Nachman Shirin explains also that regarding eating, we know that one of the deeper explanations of why we have to eat is because the heart is pumping inside of a person and that generates heat. And in order to cool that heat, 
a person needs to eat and drink. The eating and drinking, when a person is eating and drinking properly, that makes a balance in the body between the fire that's being generated by the heart, by the heart beating and pulsing the whole time, and this cooling system, the, the achila, when it's achila dikdusha. Any questions, please? So is what uh, Rabbeinu is saying, it's not saying that he's going to, he's directly going to be making matches for people or it's like figuratively or more so in how, what his mission is to do. The answer is that from this dream, it, it's been extracted in Breslau that Rabbeinu Zal said he was given this parnosa to be a shatchan. And that's one of the reasons why many people, when they reach the age of marriage, they, they want to go to Uman, they want to go to Rabbeinu Zal to be mispalo there, that Hashem should help me find my true soulmate, because I'm going to the Shatchan, to the one who said that he was given this job of being a Shatchan. In addition, there's a small chapter on the Kutimaran where Rabbeinu Zal writes there that in order for people to be zoicha to their shidduch, they have to come to the tzaddik and hear words of das from him. And he quoted a pasuk, a pasuk that the, the Gemara speaks about in Chagiga and other places. He say koyhen yishmeru das That from the lips of the koyhen, there you will find das and toira. The term koyhen is used very often to represent the tzaddik, those who are reserved for Hashem. So the first letters of Sifsei Koyhein Yishmeru Das Vetoira spell the word Shidduch. And Rabbeinu Zal said that this is one of the reasons, because just like when a tzaddik is giving over Torah, he's usually making matches. He's taking different places in the Torah. The Gemara says about itself that the, the style of the Gemara is that it's Ashira b'mokom echad and Aniyah b'mokom acher. That in one place in the Gemara, it'll speak about a topic very briefly. And a person says, one second, I don't understand this. I have so many questions about this. No problem. Keep learning. You'll come to another place in the Gemara where there the Gemara gives a rich explanation regarding that topic. And the tzaddikim are the ones who make these matches. They put together the different places, different psukim, different, different items throughout the Torah using the formulas, the 13 formulas that Hashem has given us, kalvachoyma, gzeira, shava, all the different formulas. So just like the tzaddik is making matches when he's speaking words of Torah, and the Torah itself, Rabbi Nezal shows there is large letters and small letters also, so too by hearing words of Torah from the mouth of a tzaddik, this will, will help a person to be able to find their shidduch. Anyone else, please? So is there, I guess, just listening to uh, a Lukute Mornan share by an upright person who is connected to Rabbeinu Zal is the way that you could hear the words from Rabbeinu Zal today. Hopefully, on a certain level, it's not the same as if a person were hearing it directly from Rabbeinu Zal, from the Tzaddik, but it's possibly as close as we can come to it for now. We have on, on that chapter in Likutei Imran, there are a few well-known chapters in Likutei Tfilois, in part, two, I, I believe it's in part two of Likutei Tfilois, 
44, 45, and we could take Philos, which are Philos for Shiduchim, that are based on, on that Torah and other Torahs on the Kutimran, where Abenazal speaks about this. So you said it's 44 and 45 in Likutei Tbilos? I believe so, in part two of the Likutei Tbilos. Part two, oh, thank you. Okay, now we go on to another story that appears in some of the editions of Chayim Aran and doesn't appear in some of the others. In the book Tzaddik, they quote this story where Rabbi Nassau said, I had a dream and it was Yom Kippur. And it was clear to me that every single year on Yom Kippur, the Kohen Godel, the Kohen Godel in heaven would offer the Neshama of a Tzaddik as a sacrifice. And they were looking for a volunteer. They were looking for somebody to sacrifice, that to volunteer to be the sacrifice. So I volunteered, Rabbi Nezal said. They asked me to confirm this in writing, to sign my name to this, and I did. Afterwards, when it came time for my neshama to be sacrificed, I, I had a change of heart. I wanted to go hide, but with everyone around me, how could I avoid being seen? So I decided to leave town. So I started to leave, and I thought I was going away, away, and suddenly I found myself right back in the center of the town. So I thought maybe I can hide among the Goyim, among the non-Jews. But then I realized that if everybody would come looking for me, the non-Jews will certainly hand me over. So I realized that there's no hiding. And then someone was found who was willing to be sacrificed instead of me. And then Rabbeinu Zalated, but still, I'm afraid of what the future holds. This is a, a very, very cryptic item. We know that the, in, in the Gemara Menachas, on the last, last page of the Gemara Menachas, there's a, it speaks about the, the Pesach in the Torah, Ishe Reach Nichoyach Lashem, a, a sacrifice, a fire offering to Hashem. So and and there, the Gemara says that Omar Rabbi Gidel Omarav, that this refers to that those who study Torah at night, it's considered as if they were offering sacrifices in the Beis Hamikdash. Then Rav Gidel said in the name of Rav, there's a mizbeach that's built, and the angel Michoel stands and offers karbonos on that mizbeach. So Toisvis says on this, on this Gemara, Toisvis says that there are different medrashim regarding this statement in the Gemara. There, there's a medrash that says that this refers to the neshamos of tzaddikim, that that's what this angel Michoel offers on this mizbeach. And there are those that say that it's 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 sheep made of fire, like like angelic sheep, and this is why we say in our Shmon Esrei, the Ishe Yisrael usfilosom mehera biahava sekabel barotzayin, that may Hashem accept the fires of the Jewish people, Ishe Yisrael, and our prayers. 
it's brought, I believe, that the first letters or the last letters over there of those words in Shman Esrei spell the name of the angel Michoel, Mem Yud Chof Lamed, I believe, with, without the Aleph. Rav Nosanzal writes that this dream wasn't really recorded properly and, and the conclusion was left out. But I recall hearing that it was Rablevi Yitzchak Bardichev who was the one who agreed to be the substitute for Rabbeinazal. And in fact, Rablevi Yitzchak Bardichev passed away a year before Rabbeinazal, during the month of Tishrei. And, and the following year is when Rabbeinazal passed away. And Rabbeinazal says, could be that's what was Rabbeinazal was referring to when he said, I'm still afraid of what the future holds, meaning that even though Rabbi Yitzhak took his place that year, he would still have to be prepared to be the, 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 the sacrifice the following year. Rabbi Nezal passed away shortly after Yom Kippur of the following year in the middle of the holiday of Sukkot. Obviously, we don't understand what this means. What does that mean? The neshama of a tzaddik being sacrificed on a mizbeach. We do know that just like there's a koyin gadol down here on earth, the Gemara and the Zohar Kodesh speak about the koyin gadol in heaven, that the, the angel who is referred to as the koyin gadol in heaven is the angel Michoel. And we find a remiss to this in the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, Ki be'onon nira Hashem aleichem, that Hashem revealed himself to us in a cloud. The word nira is the letters aharoim, and the word aleichem is the letters michoel, showing the connection between these two, that Aaron Aklein is referred to as the Klein Godel down here on earth, and the angel michoel is the one who is called the Kahana Rabbah, the great Koyen up in heaven. Just like Aaron Akhoin was known as Ish HaChesed, so too the angel Michoel is known as the defending angel, the opposite of the Malach Gavriel, who represents Gevura. Now we come to the, the, the next vision, and this is something that's known in Breslov as a very mysterious vision that, that Rabbi Nezal spoke about. This was on the first day of Hanukkah, after lighting candles, is when Rabbi Nezal told this story. A guest came into someone's house, and he asked the host, what do you do for a living? How do you, how do you support yourself? And the host said to him, I don't have a fixed parnosa, I don't have a job or a business, but I'm, I'm supported by the world. So he asked him, what are you learning? And he told it, and he told him. And then they entered into a discussion and they started getting very close in the discussion. They started opening up their hearts to each other. And now the host started feeling a tremendous deep yearning and thinking and, and yearning and thinking, how could he get to a certain very, very high level of holiness? So the guest told him, I'll learn with you. And the host was very surprised. And he started thinking, maybe this isn't a human being at all. 
However, he saw that he's talking to him exactly like, like another person. And immediately he became very, he started believing very much in this guest, believing in him that he's a very important person. And he started calling him Rebbe, my rabbi. And he said to him, the first thing I want to learn from you is exactly how I should be showing respect to you. That not because I'm afraid that I'm going to be disrespectful to you, Hasishman in any way, but still sometimes it's difficult for a person to be careful, to be really careful. Therefore, I want you to teach me exactly how I should conduct, how I should show proper respect to you. So the guest said, right now, I don't have time. Another time I'll come back to you and I'll teach you this. But now I have to leave. So he said to him, the host said, this also I'm going to have to learn from you. How far am I supposed to go in accompanying you? When a guest comes to your house, we know there's a very important mitzvah of levoya, to walk the guest to the door, to accompany the person. So the guest said to him, until the entrance of the house. So now the host started thinking, how, how am I going to go outside with him? Right now, I'm with him, with other people. How am I going to go out alone with him? Who knows who this is? And he asked him, <clears throat> and he said, uh, 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 he asked him, and he, and he said to him, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go out with you. So the guest said to him, if I can learn with you the way I did, then if I would want, I could do anything I want I could do to you. Who would stop me? So he went out with him. He went out of the entrance. And then immediately the guest grabbed him and started flying with him. And it was very, very cold. So he took a garment and gave it to him. And he said to him, take this garment and you'll be okay. And you'll have food and drink and everything good. And you'll go back home. So he flew with him. And then suddenly he looked and he saw he's back in his house. And he couldn't believe that he was in his house. However, he looked around and he saw he's talking to people. He's eating and drinking like regular. And then he took a look again and suddenly he saw he's flying again. And then he looked again and he saw he's back in the house. And this happened for a long time. This kept repeating itself. Afterwards, the, the guest lowered him in a valley between two mountains. And he found a book there, a sefer. And this sefer had letters in it, an aleph, a zayin, a ches, and then a dalid. And there were pictures of different kalim, different vessels. And in these kalim were letters. And in these kalim were also letters of the, of the kalim, which, by which you could form these kalim. And he had a tremendous desire to learn this safer, to study this book. 
Then he takes a look and he sees he's back in his house. He takes a look again and he's in the valley there. And he decided to start climbing the mountain. Maybe there he'll find some kind of a settlement, a yishuv. And when he got to the mountain, he saw that there was a tree of gold with branches of gold. And on these branches were kalim, were vessels like those that he saw pictures of them in that book, in that sefer. And inside of those vessels were other vessels by which you could make the, the, the outer vessels. And he wanted to take Caleb from there, but he couldn't because they were stuck there on the branches which were intertwined. Then he suddenly takes a look and he sees he's back in his house. And he's wondering what's going on here, how I'm going back and forth, back and forth. So he wanted to tell this to people, but how do you tell people something as strange as this, which, which people are going to find hard to believe? Then suddenly he took a look out of the window and he saw the guest and he started pleading with him to come in. And the guest said to him, I don't have any time now. Because I'm, I'm coming to you. So he said to him, I, I don't understand. I'm, I'm over here. What do you mean you're coming to me? He said to him that when you agreed to accompany me outside of the entrance of the house, at that point, I took your soul, I took your neshama, and I gave it a garment from the lower Ganadin. We know the Zerokah, this speaks about a lower Ganadin and an upper Ganadin. And, I, and your nefesh and ruach remain by you. And therefore, whenever you connect your thoughts to there, you're there. And you're able to draw from there to yourself. And when you come back down to earth, when you come back down here, you're here. And now the host said, but I have no idea from what world this person wants probably must be from a good world. And however, this is not completed and this isn't ended. This story is called Maisame Oireach. And I, I saw recently that there's a, a commentary on this story, which Belin Eder in the, the next year, next week, will take up the, the commentary. There are certain very, very interesting things that we can learn from this story. Any questions for now? How do we relate this to what's going on today in, in, in our own life? I mean, I'm Hoja Bachuva. It sounds like someone had mushrooms or something. I mean, I, to be honest with you. The answer is that, that the way that we relate it to what's going on today is that just like here, just like in the Torah, we see things that we don't understand that are way above our comprehension in our life. There are things that we cannot understand that are above our comprehension. I had the privilege of spending some time with one of the great rabbis in America. His name was Rabbi Pinchas Taitz, Zechariah Levracham. And he once, we spoke a lot, and he once said to me, what do you make of the fact that the Torah is called Eitz Chaim, the tree of life, or say the book of life? What, how, do you, how do you understand that? 
And I saw that he wanted to say something. So I, I didn't say anything. I was just waiting to listen. And he said to me, I'll tell you how I look at it. He said, if a person wants to be able to understand life, the best commentary on life is the Torah. The more Torah that you will learn, the more you're going to understand many things that go on in life. You're not going to understand everything because we just said that there are things in Torah that each person on their level cannot understand. But it'll give a lot of clarity to what's going on in our lives. And then he said, and if you want to know the best commentary on Torah, it's life. Live. Live with your eyes open. Look around, see what's going on. And that will, you, you'll be able to see the truth, the emes of the Torah. If you look honestly and carefully at what's going on around, you'll be able to see many of the things that the Torah describes. You'll be able to see how true it really is. So, so again, there are, we need to know that in Torah there are different levels and, and each person has to strive to go higher and higher to learn more and more every day. However, however, we need to know that there are certain things that we're not allowed to delve into. There are things that are totally out of our reach, and there are certain things that the great Sadiqim were kind enough to bring down to us, to bring down to us and bring it to a level where we can relate to it. And that's one of the incredible highlights of the Sifre Hasidus, and especially Rabbeinu Zalzfarim, that they took and take many, many of the mysteries in the Gemara and in the Sifrei Kabbalah and, and clarify it and bring it down to a level that we can relate to it. This week we're in Sfira Soimer and, and this week we're going to have Erev Rosh Chodesh. Thursday is Erev Rosh Chodesh Iyar and then two days Rosh Chodesh, Friday and Shabbos. These are very, very important days. We should be Zoycha and, and the days of Sfira, these 49 days are days of Aliyah. When we're trying, every one of these days, we're trying to get out of a place of darkness and into a place of light, out of a level of tumma into a level of purity. It's a time when we try extra hard to, to be better in, in our relationships with people and, and, and our, our relationship with Hashem, to say to Hillim, to do other good things, whatever we can. We should be zeichet to, to prepare ourselves, to make the proper preparation for the great holiday that's coming, Shavuos. And prior to that, we have Lag Boimer coming also, awesome. The whole country of Eretz Yisrael, the, the, the government, based on things that happened in recent years, is tremendous amount of time and effort being put into making, hopefully, that this Lag Boimer will be very special. We hope that the Yisrus of Rabbi Shimon Bar and all the great Sadiqim, Will, will bring on us all the brachas and all the Yeshuas and Rafuas that all of us need, especially the, the final Geulah, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you, Rev. Nassim.